Morning, church. So I was not here last week. Um, I was with a group of ministers sharing uh, Chuck Norris stories. Because um, it's what we do. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but one, one I heard, I don't know if anybody here likes Chuck Norris, if you're a fan or, or anything, but um, I heard he got bit by a, a cobra, and the swelling was so bad the cobra died a week later. Um, Y'all hear it? Is this going to work? I don't, it didn't work last service. The dinosaurs looked at Chuck Norris the wrong way once. You know what happened to them. <laughs> that was a good one. When the boogeyman goes to sleep every night, he checks under his bed for Chuck Norris. Did you know Chuck Norris could dribble a bowling ball? Did you know that? And, and he, he can do a wheelie on a unicycle. Um, he slammed a, he slammed a, resolving, a revolving door shut. Um, what was this? Uh, he, he can win a game of Connect Four in three moves. It was pretty impressive. Chuck Norris counted to infinity twice. Chuck Norris can make onions cry. All right, I thought these were good. Uh, but I say all that, and, and true story here, Chuck Norris bows to Jesus. Chuck Norris, as awesome as he is, he realizes that Jesus is the one who's truly awesome. We're in Colossians chapter 1, and um, just started this a couple weeks ago, Colossians chapter 1. And there's a passage in Colossians 1, which I consider one of the one of the greatest passages in the Bible, and, and what I've learned is I cannot do it justice. I wanted to preach on this. I, was, I, I so desperately wanted to preach on this because it's a beautiful passage, and I just don't have too much to add to it. I'm going, I'll try. You know, that's what I do. Um, but it's just, it's a, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote the book of Colossians, and as I said a couple weeks ago, Paul wrote this while he's in prison. And what strikes me is that Paul isn't writing to people about his experience in prison, you know, like, woe is me, the food is bad, it's, it's just terrible, they, they, they don't treat me good here. Uh, Paul's focus is, Jesus is awesome, Jesus is great, that's his whole fo- focus in the passage, and, and I want to read to you Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, just a few, you know, five verses here, and in these five verses, Paul, he, he lists 14 amazing truths about Jesus Christ. And I want you to see them. I want you to just take each one and see, you know, kind of dissect what does that mean? And what does this mean? What's the implications of this? What's the implication of that? And as you see each one, I'm, I'm hoping one of them, if not all of them, will just reach out and grab you and you too will leave this building thinking Jesus is just so awesome. Let me, let me read this here. In Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 20, where's it at? He is the image of the invisible God. Talking about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. 
so that in everything he might have supremacy. Oh, did I, I didn't even say this. I, I, I skipped right over it. The, the, that's a key verse right there. Can you go back to where oh, we're going to totally lose our place now? The, the verse 8, verse 18 and in that he is the head of the body of the church, he is beginning the firstborn from all uh, among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Don't lose focus of this. That is, that is the key verse in this passage. So that in everything he might have supremacy. That, that, uh, the, the, another translation says that he might come to have first place in everything. The King James says so that he might be preeminent. So, okay, so let me get back to the text here. So the, he is supreme. He should have supremacy. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. I love that verse. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Christ Jesus, and through him to reconcile to, him, to, to, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There's 14 amazing things about Jesus Christ. It says in Psalm 33, verse 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And I just just want to ask you, are you in awe of Jesus Christ? Do you recognize who Jesus Christ is? Do you recognize all that Jesus Christ has done? Do you see it? So I, I want to start back at the top. Quickly, quickly go over some of these things to, to see if I can um, expand on them here. He's the image of the invisible God. What does that mean to you? He's the image of the invisible God. He is God. Jesus is God. He's not a replica. He's not a model. He's, he is the real thing. Everything that God is, Jesus is. And Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. We can't see God. We can't touch God. We don't. So Jesus came to make him known. And I got verse after verse after verse. I don't have these up here. I wish I did now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, is what it says in John chapter 1. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus is God. John 1.18 says that no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. That's why Jesus came, to make God known to us. John 10, 30 says, uh, Jesus says this, I and the Father are one. We, I meet people all the time. Okay, there's God, and then there's Jesus. No, that there's God, and he's Jesus. Jesus on, God on earth is Jesus Christ. John 14, verse 9, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That's what, that's what Jesus tells Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. It says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And once again, Colossians 1, verse 19, one of my favorite verses, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. All his fullness, all, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, not under Jesus Christ, not over Jesus Christ, not around Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. You look at Jesus Christ, you see God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God with skin on him. Jesus is, is, existed as, as God long before the earth was created. You're going to see that in just a few minutes here. He, he says before Abraham, I am. 
So before creation, we, we think Jesus came when you know, he was born, born in a manger, you know, the Christmas story. That's when it all started. No, it, it tells us he was there from the beginning. In, in Genesis chapter 1, where, where, where it says, let us make man in our image. Um, I didn't see this until really late in life. That us, that us, part, let us make man in our image. Who is God talking to? Let us. He's talking to angels? We're not made in the image of angels. Let us make man in our image. He's talking, he's, it's God the Father and God Jesus and God the Holy Spirit, all at the beginning of time, creating all that we have. When you look at the love of Jesus on the cross, you see the love of God. When you see the justice of what Jesus did on the cross, you see the justice of God. When you see the power of Jesus, you see the power of God. The miracles that, 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 that Jesus Christ did on, the, on this earth, they're the miracles of God. The words that Jesus spoke are the words of God. The love that Jesus revealed for all mankind is the love that God has for you. Jesus Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God. And it says here he's the firstborn of all creation. And I feel like i got to take a little bit of time on this one. This, this one gets confusing here. The firstborn of all creation. Kind of in, okay, was he here at the beginning or was he born? Um, firstborn. Okay, firstborn here does not mean what you think firstborn means. Um, we think of firstborn, okay, that's, that's a birth order. The first child who came along. Um, but if you, if you study the scriptures, and, and you can see it really clearly with, with King David, it, it says in Psalm 89, verse 27, I will appoint him as my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. This is talking about David. I will appoint him as my firstborn. If you know anything about David, he was the youngest of all of his siblings, a uh, family of you know, eight, eight brothers and sisters or whatever. Uh, there's eight of them, and he's the youngest, but it says here he's the firstborn. He was appointed firstborn. He's appointed as the one in charge. He was appointed as the one with the authority. He was appointed as the one, kind of like a, if you think of a power of attorney, you know, you, you look at all your kids, like, oh, I don't trust that one, I don't trust that one. Okay, maybe this one, okay. Uh, and you, Jesus is the one who was entrusted with the power of attorney. He's the one with the authority. That's what that means. And it says, for, for by him all things were created. By him all things were created, which, which proves he was not created. He's the one who created all things. Jesus is the creator all things were created by him and for him. That's so important. You, you, not only were you, you created by Jesus, but you were created for Jesus. And that's so important to understand because so many people don't know why they're here. They don't know that you're here for the glory of God. You think, you know, I'm here because you know, my mom and dad made a decision. My, I'm here because uh, you know, I'm here for myself. I'm here because I, I do this job or that job. I'm here. No, you are here for Jesus Christ. He created you, and you are here for Jesus Christ. You were created by Jesus and for Jesus. I think, I think you just need to let that sink in. It says all things were created. Nothing exists for its own sake. Everything exists for God. And do I have that here? Uh, yeah, mosquitoes. Think about that. I don't get it, all right? I have a list of things that are kind of impressive. You know, sun, the sun, the moon, all these impressive things. And then I put down mosquitoes and cockroaches. I don't know why God made them. I, I'm dying to ask God why, and I'm just, I'm sure he's going to tell me because they, you know, they keep a certain bacteria in check or something. I don't know. I, he had his reasons for making all the things. He, he, had his, he had his reasons for making the birds of the air, 
And I see that one. I, I, I left my house this morning, and I could just hear the birds singing and chirping. And, you know, I, I just, they're worshiping God is what they're doing. That's how I see it. I hear the birds. I just, they, are, they are here to worship God. And the fish of the sea, you remember the story where, where uh, Jesus told the disciples, cast their nets on the other side, and they pulled in so many fish that they, they could hardly, hardly haul it in? You know, the fish, they serve God. They exist. When, when Jesus says, hey, fish, I want you on that side of the boat, they say, okay, yes, sir. And then you and I, when Jesus says, hey, I want you to go save the world, and we say, busy, sorry, got other things to do. No, the birds can follow Jesus. If the, if, the, if the fish can obey Jesus, you think we, his greatest creation, shouldn't we be obeying Jesus? Shouldn't we be listening? To, shouldn't we be living for his glory? Okay, that was a big tangent. I don't know what. Um, I wrote down, you know, uh, no, just think, just think about all the things he created. The, the moon, the sunrises, the thunderstorms. We get so impressed about thunder over Louisville. Really? Look what God has made. It's so much better. It's so much better. 140 billion galaxies, each with billions of stars. And Jesus is the creator of them all. In Psalm 147, it says, it says he determines the number of stars. He calls them each by name. Chuck Norris can't do that. My God can do that. Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the, in the hollow of, their, of his hands? God. Um, who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? That's my God. Or weighed the mountains on the scales? That's my God. That's Jesus Christ. That's how awesome Jesus is. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Visible, I think that's important because Jesus shows his authority over, over, the, over nature when he calms the storm. When he says, peace, be still, the storm goes away. That's Jesus showing his lordship over creation, the visible creation. And yet, another passage, he cast out demons. You can't see demons, but that's the invisible. He has authority over them too. He has authority over the visible and the invisible. And you get this, Colossians 1 verse 17, in him all things hold together. That's awesome right here. In, in him all things hold together. Now let me talk about something that I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, when, when consider the atom. The atom, you know, the little atom that the you know scientists have split, and they found in the atom, you know, the, the thing that you couldn't make any tinier. Uh, they found there's tinier things in the atom. There's protons and there's neutron, neutrons and electrons. And what I'm reading here, these protons, you, you, you take two magnets that are positively charged, and you try to touch them, and, and you can't. You know, they're they're pulling each other away. Well, protons would be like that. Proton, protons are positively charged, and they should be repelling each other. The question, what's holding these protons together? And this is what I read. Scientists are searching for what they have nicknamed the God particle. They believe there's a special subatomic particle that allows all the other particles in the universe to have mass and come together to form everything that is around us. There's something holding it all together, and so far the scientists haven't figured it out. I know what it is. It's Jesus, because he's that awesome. Jesus is awesome. Jesus, the Bible tells us that, that Jesus holds all things together. He holds all things. He, he puts the sun where the sun is supposed to go, and he says, you stay there. He puts the moon over here, and he says, okay, you do this. He, he appoints all the things. He, he does it all. Jesus is the glue, the cohesion that holds it all together. He's what holds you together. 
And some of us, our lives are falling apart. And maybe our lives are falling apart because we're not allowing Jesus to hold us together. We're not allowing him to be supreme. We're not allowing him to be, be first. And our lives are falling apart as a result of that. Because we're living in rebellion to God instead of submission to God. Instead of recognizing who he is, how awesome he is, instead of living our lives for him. Did I tell you, Paul wrote this in prison? You know why Paul was in prison? Because he wouldn't shut up about Jesus. That's why he was in prison. He's telling everyone, Jesus is so awesome. He is the head of the body, the church. Colossians 1 verse 18. He is the head. The head of the church. Not only is he supreme over all creation because he created it, he's also supreme over the church because he created that too. He's the head. He's the authority. He's the one who calls the shots. We are the body. He's the one who's, who says, you know, I want you to go. I want you to stay. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And we as a church would do well to listen to Jesus. The reason we read the Bible and study the Bible and obey the Bible because we understand the Bible, are the wor- it's the words of Jesus. And he's the head. I think there's so many churches that seem to have forgotten that Jesus is the head. They're doing what they want to do. They're not doing what Jesus has called them to do. They're not allowing Jesus to be supreme. you got churches that, that, that turn a blind eye to sin and wickedness. you got, you got churches that are ignoring the word of God. you got churches that are, are divisive and they're fighting each other. It's so sad, and, and we got a lot of visitors here today. I'm like, no, church doesn't have any problems, really. We, no, we're good. Um, we would be good if we would allow Jesus to be supreme, if we would allow Jesus to be Lord. He is the head. He is the beginning. He's the one who created the church. He, he's the originator of the church, the founder of the church. He is the firstborn among the dead. Once again, they use that word firstborn, firstborn among the dead. And if you know, okay, you, you can read in the Gospels how Jesus rose Jairus' daughter from the, the, the dead. He rose Lazarus from the dead. Um, a widow's a son um, r- r- raised him from the dead. So by my count, I mean, Jesus is at least the fourth person raised from the dead. Here it says he's the firstborn of the dead. But my, my count, he's the, he's the fourth. But here it says he's the firstborn. What that means, he, is, he has authority over all who will be raised from the dead, all who will experience the resurrection all who will um, experience eternity in the presence of God. He's the first. It's because of what he's done that makes it possible for us to do this as well. Someday we will be raised from the dead. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because of what he did um, and because of the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. We were promised this in Romans, uh, Romans 8, verse 11, that the same spirit that brought him to life is the spirit that lives in us and will bring us to, back to life too after we die on this earth and live forever. Did all, Okay, I'm, I'm just rambling right now. Um, he's the firstborn from among the dead in verse 18, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So we come back to this verse. So that in all things he might come first. Now let's talk about us. We talk, we've talked about Jesus a lot, but let's talk about us. Is Jesus first in our lives? In your life? Your schedule? Your homes? Your families? Your finances? In your heart, is Jesus first in your heart? The Bible says, seek the Lord with all your heart. My message is such a simple message. My, my message, Jesus is first. 
He is first. Whether you make him first or not, he is first. His agenda will come first. His will will be done first. It, it would be great if you, if, you, if you go along with this instead of fight him every step of the way. Um, that would be great. But Jesus is first. He's the firstborn. He's supreme. He's the head. He's the beginning. And you know why? He, he's the first because he's so awesome. That is why he's first. And, and if you have your outline, look at the outline here. It says, when Christ is first, look at this, we do whatever it takes. That's our attitude. Because he's first, I do whatever it takes. I want to do whatever it takes. I assume personal responsibility. I expect personal sacrifice because he's, first. he's worth it. We see problems and we seek solutions. We see possibilities and we dream about what could be. We hear the voice of God firsthand and we own the vision. We step out with bold, reckless trust in God. And I was thinking, I was thinking as we, uh, as I was going through this here, I think about some of the things we've seen in this church. You, you, you see it in Paul's life. Paul, who's in prison but wouldn't stop talking about Jesus Christ, telling the whole world about Jesus Christ. He's just he's living for Jesus Christ. And, and, and Neil King is one of our missionaries here. He he just got back from Kenya. Great story. Can't. Read redo that one. Uh, I was talking to Tim and, and Jenny Smith, who uh, just left Pakistan two days ago, I think. Um, and, and, and I've been in con- constant contact with Tim and Jenny Smith about what they're doing in Pakistan. They went there to preach the gospel. Um, they asked me to go with them. I said, I'll Zoom call in. Uh, so, um, and that didn't work. It didn't work because of the persecution. They got shut down three times. Um, they got, they're, here, they're trying to do a revival, and they kept on shutting them down, kept on shutting them down, kept on, and we kept on trying, we kept on trying, we kept on trying, because Jesus is first, and these people need to know it. It's just a beautiful thing. This is what you do when Jesus is first. Fear, you fear holding anything back from God. And I think we've got several examples of this in our church, and I'm asking everybody to be an example of this in your life. But here, when Christ is not first, look at this here. When Christ is not first, we do only what we're asked to do, you know, just bare minimum. You know, I kind of feel good about myself, but, you know, I'm not going to give you any more than that. Um, we assume someone else will do it. We expect personal comfort, and that might be the death of the church in America right there. We care more about comfort than, than the will of God. We see problems and we complain Keep on thinking about Paul. Paul wasn't complaining. He was worshiping. We see barriers and reasons to quit. We inherit the vision secondhand and question every decision that's been being made. We set satisfied in the comfort and stability of our existence. We fear what we fear most is commitment. The, the fear of the Lord is what gives us wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is what gives us joy. The fear of the, nor- of the Lord is what gives us peace. And we fear everything but the Lord. We live in a world that fears everything but God. And, and I, I say all this to ask you, just, I just want to gently ask you, which, which are you? Is Jesus Christ first in your life? Or is he something else? And a picture that came to mind to, to, to kind of see if I can help us out here. If Jesus came to your house, what would you serve him? If Jesus came to your house, would you give him the best, you know, steak, lobster, you know, the best? Or would you give him your leftovers? Old blooming onion, you know, from three days ago. That would be nasty, wouldn't it? I heard, I heard a story about a lady who... Uh, you know, Thanksgiving, and she had turkey in the freezer, and um, turkey had been there for about like 10 years, and so she called in the radio station to find out, you know, if it'd be okay to cook it, and they said, ah, I wouldn't recommend it, it'd probably be tough, and, 
You know, you, it'd probably be safe, but it wouldn't be the best thing you'd ever eat. And the lady said, yeah, you're right. I'll just donate it to my church. Yeah, we get a lot of 10-year-old turkeys around here. Um, are you giving the Lord your best? Doesn't he deserve your best? Do you not agree with me and with Paul? He is so awesome. He deserves our best. If the world lived, if Jesus is Lord, Jesus is first, Jesus is supreme. If the world lived like that, wouldn't you think the world would be such a better place? But so many people do not recognize that he's supreme. So many people do not recognize that he's first. So many people do not recognize that he's Lord. And I'm just asking, what about you? What about you? Jesus Christ deserves first place in everything. And let me, let me answer why. If, if, you, if, if I'm not addressed this yet, what it says in, in Colossians chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, let me read this real quick. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through, the death, through, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Look at this. Why, why is Paul telling us all this, that, that Jesus Christ is so awesome? Why, why is he saying he should, he should be first in everything? It's because at one time we were alienated from God. Just like Adam and Eve were, were cast out of the garden. You and I have been cast out of the presence of God, and rightly so, because we are sinners. Because we have sinned against God. We have rebelled against God. We have lived. You know, he is first in everything, and we've said, no, not in my life, you're not. We have lived as enemies of God. It says here, we, we have lived this evil behavior. Not holy, not, not acceptable to God. You think you're pretty good? God says, nope, you don't, you don't measure up. By our sins, by our rebellion, by our hostility to the will of God, we have been an abomination to God. And, and, and Paul doesn't dwell on this very long, praise God. He, he doesn't dwell on this. He just says, he's just making a statement. This is who we were, but this is why Jesus came. Verse 22, to, to now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you, to present you holy in his sight. Because we weren't so holy. We weren't holy. But this is why Jesus went to the cross to die for your sins. So now you will be proclaimed holy without blemish, free from accusation. It says in verse 20, through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. Do you understand why his blood had to be shed? His blood, his, it says in John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. It's his blood that became the atoning sacrifice that removed our sins. And therefore, now we have peace with God. And I would ask you, how precious is that? Have, have, you, have, you, have, you, have you experienced before living life feeling like, God was so distant, and, and God didn't want anything to do with you. I, 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 I vividly, this, was, this is my story. Now I, thought, I thought God hated me, and this is what brought me to Jesus Christ. 
experiencing his grace and his love and experiencing that peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. This is why I say Jesus is so awesome. And it goes on, verse 23, if you continue in your faith. We have all that. We were alienated. We were alienated from God. We were enemies of God. But now we've been reconciled by Christ's, Christ's blood if we continue in our faith, established and firm, and moved, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. If we continue in our faith. What does that mean? If, if you put Jesus Christ first. If you put your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the only thing that will remove your sins and, and give you peace with God. If you recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. I've heard this before. Jesus Christ can't be your savior until he's your Lord. Everybody wants Jesus to be their savior. Nobody wants Jesus to be the Lord. He can't be your savior until you recognize he is Lord. And my question, he's the Lord of all creation. He's the Lord of the church. Is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? This is the gospel. This is what it says in verse 23. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under, he under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the gospel. Jesus is Lord. Jesus has reconciled us, given us peace with God. When we were alienated from God, this is why we worship Jesus. This is why we live for Jesus. This is why we listen to every word that Jesus says and we put it into action. If you don't have peace with God, you need Jesus. If your life is falling apart, you need Jesus. If Jesus isn't first in your life, you need Jesus. Let me end with a, two verses here. Acts 2, verse 36. God has, has, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus is Lord and Christ. And it says in Romans 10, verse 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and if you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you too will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. But don't just say it. Believe it. Understand who Jesus is. And give him the rightful place in your heart. Allow him to be the Lord of your life. And watch what he can do.